Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Oh, you're almost there, Oil Country. The season finally starts tomorrow. The Oilers and the Canucks, they'll play again on Thursday. Then the Montreal Canadiens come into town for two. All Canadian matchups, all regular season long, and a lot of those double headers where you're going to play the same team two times in a row. Lots of Oilers news to get to today, and we'll preview the season with some of the voices that you'll hear on our broadcast here on 630 Shed. Rob Brown, Bob Stoffer, and Cam Moon all coming up tonight. Cam Moon will make his NHL play-by-play debut on Thursday in the second game between the Oilers and the Canucks. As always, I'm happy to hear from you tonight. If you hear anything about the Oilers that you want to hop in on, 780-496-0063 is the number to both call and text. We'll go over uh, the news and notes here and probably something that uh, you'll you're going to be disappointed in, I think, when you hear about a player the Oilers lost today. We'll get to that story in a minute. And as I was mentioning with Jay Lynn, you can have some fun. Give me a prediction for the Oilers' record, how they do this season, who wins the Stanley Cup, whatever else comes to mind. If you get it right, you get a canned ham at the end of the season, maybe even two if you did really well. All the wrong predictions are simply lost and forgotten. Okay, so... Here's what I can tell you, first of all. The Oilers designating about an hour ago six players to the taxi squad that the NHL is using this season. So you can have a 23-man roster, and then you can have between four and six players on a taxi squad. And this is so players aren't traveling back and forth for, for farm teams and having to quarantine and things like that. They can hop right into the lineup if there is some sort of an issue. So here are the six players on the taxi squad. Joachim Nygaard, Patrick Russell, Tyler Benson, Alan Quine, Stuart Skinner, and Ryan McLeod. So that's the taxi squad. All of them forwards, except for Stuart Skinner. We talked a little bit about Ryan McLeod on the show yesterday. He's looked pretty good during camp, and he was the fourth-line center at practice yesterday, but today he wasn't on the ice with the main group. Of note today, there were only 12 forwards on the ice at practice, and one of them was Jujar Kara, who was waived yesterday and not picked up. So he gets right back in there on the fourth line and expect him to play tomorrow against Vancouver. Stuart Skinner, the goaltender, Edmonton kid, had a really good WHL career, perhaps, you know, a guy who's going to be on the Oilers roster in the future. He is the taxi squad goaltender. So where is Anton Forsberg, who seemed like, you know, a decent safety net should something go disastrously wrong or there be an injury with Miko Koskinen and or Mike Smith? Well, Anton Forsberg got claimed on waivers by the Carolina Hurricanes. I I think, you know, so this throws the Oilers' goaltending plan uh, into, well, maybe uh, disarray is a bit of an overstatement, but certainly I, I think not what they were obviously hoping or planning for. 
So here's what GM Ken Holland, who was on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer earlier today, had to say about Forsberg being claimed. Carolina had um, Forsberg last year. He played in their organization last year, so they know him very well. And I see they put on Nadelkovic today on uh, on waivers. So um, um, you know we'll we'll see what happens. Obviously in the next 24 hours, but certainly he's uh, he's property of Carolina. And uh, you know what uh, we'll have Stuart Skinner t- today to put on our uh, um, on our uh, on our. T- Taxi squad, obviously, it's mandatory that you have three goalies on your on your roster between taxi squad and uh, and your your roster, uh, your opening day roster. So uh, um, uh, Skinner is just across the street at the the JW Marriott. He's not heading down to Bakersfield until uh, or wasn't planning to go to Bakersfield until around December, uh, January 19th or 20th, because there's not going to be any ice down there. So it's it's good that he's just across the street for us. So Skinner still in Edmonton at the hotel downtown, able to jump in and be on the Oilers taxi squad. Robert, just hang tight. I'll get to you in a second on the open line. I just want to finish up the goaltending angle here. So Forsberg was supposed to be the taxi squad goaltender, the third goaltender. He gets claimed. Stuart Skinner, who they need playing in the minors, now has to be the taxi squad guy. So the obvious question, Stoff asked Holland, are you going to sign another goalie? We have to get somebody for Bakersfield. So the answer is yes. I mean, obviously, okay. right now, you know, you've got three goalies. We have to carry three goalies with 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 the big team. We we're running Bakersfield, so we're going to need two goalies down there. So, you know, I guess we could go get somebody on loan from another NHL team. Um, but certainly, we need to have five goaltenders. Ideally, we'd like to have five Oiler goaltenders because if you do get an injury up here or something goes on, you got to have three goalies. They're going to give us time to get a guy from. Bakersfield up to here, but now we're we're left again with 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 with, with one goalie. So I think we need five goaltenders. So the answer is yes, um, but we certainly we got Skinner. Uh, we can, we're comfortable with Skinner up here, but at some point in time we'd like to get Skinner playing. He's a young kid; he needs to play. So, but we've got some time on our hands because uh, Bakersfield doesn't start till February the fifth, and uh, so we've got some time on our hands to sort this out. So th- there you have it, uh, you know, about two or three weeks to look at getting in another goaltender and getting Skinner down to Bakersfield for the American Hockey League season. Quick note here from the Canucks. Uh, reported tonight, Matthew Sakaris with TSN 1040. He says that because of COVID-19 concerns, defenseman Jordy Ben, forward JT Miller, will not be with the Canucks for a couple of weeks. Both players are quarantining. Miller had been staying at Ben's Vancouver residence. Follow-up reporting by Global BC's Richard Zussman, who says he's told one of these two players tested positive for COVID, then negative, then positive again, and then when tested a fourth time, tested negative. Uh, and the other one is apparently a close contact. So it doesn't look like either of those players will be here tomorrow night. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Robert wants to hop on the air this evening. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, Reed. How you doing? Good. Well, well, I, well, I, well, I want to. I have a couple thoughts. First off, on the uh, want to start with uh, start with the Oilers most likely lines for tomorrow. I think. Uh, think. Uh, is that Kara was was put on waivers and not claimed, which uh, doesn't really surprise me. That being said, I think I still th- I still think Ryan McLeod will get a shot on that fourth line, whether it be the, whether it be the second game or whenever. But I don't think it'll uh, be tomorrow. 
No. Yeah. Yeah. No. I think it'll be like I said. Either well, it'll either be the second game or maybe maybe one of the two against Montreal. But either way, either way, I think he'll get a shot. And now, uh, but I uh, but uh, I want to make I want to make a wanna make a, uh, a Stanley Cup prediction. Oh, good. I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't usually go bold when it comes to things like this, but but I'm going to say in the uh, see the I'm going to say the uh, Stanley Cup final will be the Oilers against the Islanders with the Islanders winning it in seven. You're going back to 1983, and then I assume you're predicting after this year the Oilers win five of the next seven Stanley Cups. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean not well. Oh, I mean. Uh, that would certainly be nice, but uh, I don't think uh, I don't know that we're ever going to see another another uh, dynasty like that in the NHL. But but uh, anyway, yeah. But uh, but I have and I have a thought on uh, the, us losing Forsberg. I mean, obviously he was he he was going to be that uh, that safety net that we talked about. But I think I mean like the Oilers, as Ken Holland said, they're gonna they're gonna go out and find a goalie. I'm just just. Uh, just trying to think of like where, like where are they, where were they gonna possibly find a goalie? I think they're, I think their only option is to uh, is to trade for one. I don't know what you think about that, but well, they, I'll, they uh, but yeah, yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. We'll be, we'll, we'll, we'll be talking during the season. Right on, yeah, I appreciate that, Robert. Thanks for being a, a regular listener and, and caller. I mean, they may be able to pick somebody up up off waivers. Um, I, I can't see a blockbuster trade for a goaltender. Keep this in mind, though. If the Oilers are a good team, but a goaltender away from being a very good or a great team, who knows what happens at the deadline? I mean, maybe it's another uh, Rollison-type situation where they have to go out and get somebody who helps them, like uh, like in 2006. Now, I know there's no player like Chris Pronger on defense on this roster, but the 06 team didn't have any forwards like uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid either, so maybe that, that turns out to be a bit of a wash. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes with the taxi squads. I, I want to just... So here here's the opening day roster. And I'll, and I'll give the lines, which I don't think will be a, a big surprise to anybody. McDavid between Nugent Hopkins and Cassian, of course. Cahoon, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto. Archibald, Turris, and Pugliarvi. Three right-handed shots. Archibald plays the left side. Kara with Ennis and Chase on. Now, nine defensemen are going to be on the op- have been put on the opening day roster. So that those are the only 12 forwards. Uh, on defense, Nurse with Bear, Jones with Larson, Cuckoo was with Barry, Chris Russell was with Laguson, and Bouchard's also on the opening day roster. Goalies are Koskinen and Smith. The reason it is done this way is that the Oilers can maximize the amount that they go over the cap, and then they put Oscar Clefbaum on long-term injured reserve. You don't put a player on long-term injured reserve in the NHL unless you go over the cap. Like there's, there's no, if you're way under the cap, there's no sense putting an LT, a guy on LTIR because you don't need any relief. So having Bouchard on there, even though he doesn't make a ton of money, but could allow you to even save, you know, $125,000, $130,000. And then Bouchard could be assigned to the taxi squad and someone else could be brought in. So maybe that's going to be McLeod. Maybe that's going to be Nygaard. Uh, but that's why they're doing it that way for now. And then, uh, and we'll get a clip from Ken Holland probably in a day or two 
they're they're going to make some changes. And, and we'll get a, a clip to that in a few minutes. Dave Leppard texting in. He says, uh, here's my prediction. The Oilers win 34 games and get into the playoffs. Well, I'll tell you what, Dave, if the Oilers win 34 games, they might finish first in the division. Like, I I, I was talking about this last week. Uh, do I still have my notes here about the uh, the points percentage and the usual playoff cut line? The average, uh, the average points percentage for an NHL regular season division winner in the last five years, so that's 20 division winners, is 666. So basically to, to win your division, if you get two-thirds of your points, you you usually will you have a pretty good chance to win your division. In this year, that's 74 points. So if the Oilers win 34, there's a pretty good chance they, they win the division because they they would have around 74 points. I think 70 points might be enough to win the division because I think it's going to be very competitive. And I think first place in the division in this North division will be below average, below that average of two-thirds points. You get to 70 I think you finish first. And Ken Holland commented on the All-Canadian North Division. I think there's seven really good teams. Three are going to miss. I think the I think I expect the standings are going to be really close. I think I think that 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 you probably have the possibility of lots of games going to to extra time. And then not knowing what's going on with injuries, not knowing what's going on, who has COVID issues, who doesn't have COVID issues. But as I look at the seven teams across Canada, they all look really really close. When you look at last year's standings, at the points that we all had over 70 or 71 games, Toronto, uh, Winnipeg, Bank. Vancouver, us, we're all real close. Obviously, Montreal uh, and, and Ottawa were down, but they, they made tremendous additions. Ottawa obviously has got Stutzel, who we watched in the World Junior, and Dadanov, and they made some additions. And, and, and Montreal has added, uh, uh, they got a, you know, a good good one-two punch in goal and added Anderson and, and uh, Toffoli. So those two teams are dramatically improved. So it looks like the division is really close. I think that we're going to be able to move the puck a lot better. Um, and uh, that's, that's certainly what we tried to do, but I'm anxious to see where we fit in because I think it's a really, really tight division. And I think it will be. And I think that there are going to be uh, hot stretches and cold stretches for every team. I, I think you can obviously break everything down m- most of the season into little mini series for the Oilers. It's mostly back to backs. They do have three times where they play the same team three games in a row, but over the course of the season, scratching out every single point, think about this. If a team wins the opening game of a two game set in regulation loses the next game in regulation time, that's three points to two over the course of a season. You know, if that happens five or six times, that's five or six extra points they could have on a team. 780-496-0063. Uh, Holland will talk a little bit more about how that roster is breaking down when we get back. with Ethan Bear as we get rolling into the season. Six o'clock tomorrow, the face-off show game at eight from Rogers Place. Rob Brown, our Inside the Game analyst, will be there. He's going to join me at 6.30. Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer bringing you the action tomorrow night. Bob's on the show between 7 and 7.30 this evening. Cam Moon will call his first game in the Oilers radio booth 
on Thursday, the second game against the Vancouver Canucks. My goodness, the Big L has graced us with a text this evening. Kind of, it's been kind of a warm, uh, warm winter, Big L. I assume you're using your your uh, hammock on your uh, on your deck, doing some whittling a lot more than you usually would in the winter. The Big L says, "Read the Oilers go 32-20 and four and upset the Toronto media. I mean the Maple Leafs to win the Northern Division." Fantasy NHL drafts happening tonight. Will there be a positive COVID test category? And if so, is it morally wrong to trade infected players to those who don't understand how fantasy hockey works? The Big L writing in tonight. You're just getting cheekier with your old age, Big L. Every day, your your cheekiness grows and grows. That's okay. The NHL did put out this statement on COVID-19 that during training camp, 27 players confirmed positive test results from nine different teams that include 17 players on the Dallas stars NHL saying most of them are asymptomatic and all of them are recovering without complication total of 12,000 tests to over 1200 players from December 30th to January 11th. Now effective with the start of the regular season, the NHL says it'll provide regular updates on the results of tests administered to players, including the identities of players. So they will tell you, because we've been in, in, the, uh, in the return to play, the qualifying round in the playoffs in the summer, we had this unfit to play terminology, and that's what we were continuing to being told during training camp, that the player is unfit to play, could have a broken leg, could have a hangnail, could have COVID. Now they're going to identify the players who have COVID. So that's something to keep in mind there. Anyway, I was talking about the roster Bouchard on the opening day roster for cap purposes. He's not going to swell all here. Here, Ken Holland explained it to Bob earlier. You know, we're going to have nine defensemen, um, you know, on our opening day roster. Um, one of them is going to be um, Evan Bouchard. Um, and, and because of a cap situation, you know, we're going to have them on our opening day roster. We are not going to carry uh, uh, nine defensemen on our active roster because, uh, you know, you then only have 12 forwards. We want to get to the point where we're going to be 13, 8, and 2. So over the next day or two, um, you know, we'll, we'll, Bush will go, we'll move from our active roster to uh, to our taxi squad. He, I, I told him that yesterday, so he knows the plan, and then that will free us up to be able to move a forward from taxi up to uh, up to our uh, roster, our, our NHL roster for, for for Vancouver on Thursday. So we'll, we'll be 13-8 and uh, two. So to have nine nine defensemen on the opening day roster and, and three uh, and three goaltenders, uh, that's uh, you can't do you know, that. Three nine is twelve. You, you, but you'd have to you'd have 11 forwards available for 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 Wednesday night, and we're trying to win Wednesday night. We're trying to win Game One, and and uh, we're trying to you know, we're trying to maximize our cap issues, but at the same time, we're trying to put the best team that we can on the ice uh, for Wednesday night because uh, you know it's a real game. It's two points at stake. All right, so that's uh, a summary there. So Bouchard's going to wind up on the taxi squad quite soon, and and they'll move somebody up. So that is how that's uh, that's going to shake down. Oh, man, it's, it's nice that we're getting there, isn't it? I, I know COVID is a concern, and uh, everybody's got to be careful, and the players have to be careful, but uh, it's going to be good. Jack Michaels just tweeted out, the Edmonton Oilers have played four games in the last 307 days. They're about to play 56 and 115. Yeah. Ten, <laughs> ten, ten months between regular season games. 
10 months between regular season games. They had the exhibition game and the four playoff games stuck in late July and early August. Rob Brown, he's excited to go. I'm going to see him at the rink tomorrow night. He is up next. Speaking of the Oilers' next opponent, I told you that because of COVID concerns, no Jordy Ben, no JT Miller, they will not be available. Travis Hamanick, one-year deal with the Canucks worth $1.25 million. He's played 637 NHL games in his career. Oilers and Canucks tomorrow night, 8 o'clock game start at Rogers Place. We will have the face-off show commencing at 6 o'clock. We'll have a lot of special guests for you. Of course, a lot of Oilers chat, getting you ready for the season, and it'll feature this man, our Inside the Game analyst, Rob Brown, who is back for his 15th season as an analyst for Oilers games here on 630 Chet on the Oilers radio network. Almost as long as your illustrious playing career, Rob. Yeah, it's getting close, isn't it? Wow, I'm so old. I must have started at Chet when I was 20 or something like that. <laughs> I, I believe, yes, you start. I think you started when you were 13, actually. <laughs> 15 years, wow. That is a long, long time. And in those 15 years, I don't think I ever could have imagined the season that the Oilers are about to embark on, everything that's happened over the last 10 months. Uh, a lot of unknowns, a lot of strange, a lot of odd. But fortunately, uh, there will be hockey starting tomorrow, and I think that's something that I know I'm excited for, and I'm pretty sure that everyone that is a hockey fan is excited that hockey is finally going to get back in into the swing of things tomorrow night. Yeah, it, it'll be... Uh, and look, you and I both uh, understand that, that sports is uh, a, a distraction. You and I are lucky to be able to work in it and, and talk about it. And we, we know the Oilers are, are very important and are, are kind of their own industry in Northern Alberta. But, but I mean, we know we know what's what sports are and we know that there are a lot more serious things happening in the world in a lot of different ways. So Rob and I, we're going to try to have fun and uh, and inform you along the way and uh, and give you a break maybe from, from the other other things that are going on in the world that's what that's what sports should be all about having said that you can't deny those things like if you know most of the players are ready to go but it is going to be different for them not just the schedule but just when you're on the road you know don't leave the hotel don't go out uh and look we know hockey players have pretty good lifestyles but it will be they're going to have to figure out some different routines i would think especially when they're on the road well, they certainly are. I think that what I read today, there was a 213-page manual of protocols that the players and the teams are going to have to follow. I, I mean, when I played hockey, there 90% of the guys I played with couldn't read a book that had over 10 pages in it. So I think there's going to have to be some lessons taught to them verbally. But it, it is. It's a different world. I, I've seen a lot of the different rules they're talking about. And one of the cool things when you were a hockey player is every time you went to a new city, was getting to see part of that city. Getting to, you know, on your days off, getting to, to check it out, go to the different restaurants, go to the different sites, enjoy being uh, on a beach in L.A. or or going and checking out some of the things down in Texas. And, and those players aren't going to be doing that now. So they're not going to be in a bubble. But when they get into the, the cities that they travel to, 
those cities are going to have their own kind of bubble where the players are going to have very stringent rules on what they can and can't do. And it's the way it's got to be. We've already seen the Dallas Stars, what I read today, 17 players and staff that have been affected with positive COVID. Four or five other teams have had things shut down for a day or two. For them to get this season done, players are going to have to abide by the rules as, as much as they can. And I know that the players are going to want to get the year, the year through, so hopefully it'll then we'll have some success with a little hiccup, few hiccups along the way. Yeah, and I still have this, some people are still asking you what the taxi squad is. NHL teams have a 23-man roster. For this year only, this is not a permanent thing, they can carry an extra four to six players who will be with the NHL team, will not count against the salary cap, but it's quick access for players in case two or three players all of a sudden get COVID and you can't call somebody up from the minors because they'd have to travel and quarantine and all that kind of stuff. So that's what the, uh, that's what, how the taxi squad is, uh, is, is going to work. It was, it was interesting yesterday hearing Gary Bettman, you know, kind of confirm what we all knew saying, if we wanted this to lose the least amount of money, we wouldn't play, <laughs> but, but, but we're going to play. Were, were you surprised Bettman came out? I mean, we, we, you, like, I think you and I both, uh, respect Gary Bettman. Like I'm not a Bettman basher. I don't agree with everything he's he's done. I think he's sort of hung on to a couple franchises in their current markets longer than he's than he's needed to. But but I do think he's a smart guy. He's very good at the controlling the conversation and only revealing what he wants to reveal. And I was just like, oh no, he's just kind of saying what everybody was guessing anyway. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, I, again, I'm I'm not uh, on the Bettman bandwagon of uh, he's one of my favorite people, but. I respect what he's done and what he's done for the National Hockey League. And it's true. Uh, if you start thinking, the players are getting paid. They're not getting paid their full salary because they're getting paid a prorated amount because they're not playing a full season. But the owners, they don't have the stand. They don't have the people sitting in the stand paying for the tickets. They don't have the people buying the food, buying the beer, paying for the parking, buying the jersey. So there's a lot of lost revenue for, for the owners. So I think he's more or less saying, okay, we're doing the best we can. And I just want you guys out there that are going to be watching these players play, maybe give a little uh, shout-out to the owners for for taking a, a hit on this because the easiest thing for the owners to do is to let's shut down the season and let's wait for this pandemic to go so that when we get back, we can have full stadiums. So uh, I give credit to the owners here. I give credit to the players too. It's, it's not easy for what they're going to have to do over the next number of months, but it's going to give us that are, I would hear, dying to have sport back on TV and something to cheer about and give us something to take our minds off some of the other problems that's happening in the world today. Rob Brown joining us today on Inside Sports, getting you ready for the Oilers and the Canucks tomorrow night. Okay, so uh, let me let me throw this one at you generally first. Which new player, and let's include Tyler Ennis and Jesse Pugliarvi in those lists, in, in that list, even though they've been on the team before. Which new player are you most looking forward to seeing what he can do with the team? Because for me, it's definitely Tyson Berry on the back end. I, I agree. I think when you look at upside, I think he's got the highest upside. He's got the highest ceiling. Um, he's a guy that he's made to play on power plays. Like, that's, that's his forte. And he's had success on power plays. And he's, he's been very fortunate. Every power play he's been on, he's had a superstar on that team or a few superstars to play with. So I think, to me, he's got the biggest upside. Uh, you know, Kyle Turris, he's coming in. He's going to have an opportunity to carve out, uh, you know, a second or a third life in his NHL career. 
but his upside isn't as high. He's a third-line player that might get a little bit of power play time here or there, maybe PK. But Tyson Perry, and that, what I like about him, he's betting on himself too. I mean, he's betting he's going to have a huge year. And why wouldn't he? He's going to the number one power play in the National Hockey League. He's going to be running it from the back end. He's got an opportunity to do something special this year. So he's the guy that I think would be the, I would have my eye on as a new player. Turris is going to be interesting to watch as well. And just from seeing him over the last week and a half in camp and scrimmages, he has a really good wrist shot. And perhaps in terms of an individual position, how much the Oilers have upgraded, to me, that's it. Because no disrespect to Riley Shane, he came in and did what he had to do, killing penalties. He struggled five on five. But he was never a threat to score. I mean, I think he had a four-point game against Montreal, but that was, you know, th- that can happen. But I mean, going from Shane to Turris at, at the third-line center, that's that is a huge, huge upgrade. Well, well, it is. I mean, you're getting guy Turris who has been a number one center in his career, and then has been a number two center in his career. He's been a top six guy. He knows how to make plays. He's had to carry teams offensively before. Now, the great thing for him, there's no pressure on him here. When he got, went from Ottawa to Nashville, there was pressure. They, I mean, he was a big piece they were bringing in. It was part of a big blockbuster trade. They needed and, and expected huge things at a foul tourist in Nashville. It didn't work out well in Edmonton. He doesn't have to have a big year. He doesn't have to come in and put the team on his back. He's here simply to help guide a young player in ERV help get him and his NHL career going in the right direction and try to resurrect his own career. So he's in a perfect position right now where he can come in here, go, go about his business, be under the radar, and and really, if he becomes a guy that if he scores 30, 35 points, that's oh, a that'd huge, be huge success. Yeah, huge success and huge upgrade. Whereas he was normally, you needed a 70-point season out of him for him to have had success. So now... I know from experience, it's the, when the expectations are high, it's hard to meet them sometimes. But when you come in here and the bar is low, it's a lot easier to jump over top of it. Do you, do you see the North Division as a, a tight race? Do you think there could be separation either at the top or the, uh, or the bottom? I mean, there are some predictors who think the Leafs are going to r- run away with it. There are some predictors who think Ottawa might uh, edge uh, lag far behind. I'm not sure if either is going to be the case. What do you think the potential is for that, that one team gets either left behind or pulls away? I don't think it's going to happen for, for a few reasons. One, uh, the, the, the length of the season. You're taking away, what's it, 20, how many games? 26 games less? That's 52 yeah. points. 52 points are no longer on the table. So at the end of the year, when you look at the difference between the best and the worst, I mean, all of a sudden you take 52 points out of that, they're a lot tighter. I think Ottawa is going to be better than people expect, especially when you have to play them nine times. I think the Oilers play them. I mean, if you play at Ottawa twice, you would expect, okay, we got to beat, we got to sweep the series. We got to win both games against Ottawa. When you play them nine times, you're not going to win all nine. Now you're hoping for a six and three kind of split. So Ottawa is going to be better than people expect, and they're going to win some hockey games. The Toronto Maple Leafs are good, but every team in the North has worked. I mean, we can look at the Oilers. Goaltending is going to be a question mark. The loss of Clefbaum. Is their penalty killing going to be as good without Shea? You can go through every single team in the North Division or the Canadian Division and find out 
what's wrong with them. To me, there's two things that the Oilers have to do this year, and it should be their only goals or the only things they're thinking of, and that's one, make the playoffs. I don't think you set a goal of coming in first or second. It doesn't matter in playoff time. If you make the playoffs, you got to go through two of the three teams anyways. So make the playoffs because so many unknowns are going to come in this year with COVID, with injuries, with the travel, with all these things. And the other one, win the games you're supposed to. There's going to be games this year where you're going to be a full lineup and you're going to play a team that's going to be depleted because of COVID. I mean, tomorrow you already named a couple of players that Vancouver isn't going to have because of COVID protocols. Win those games. Because eventually there's going to be games where Edmonton might have four or five guys out of the lineup. And you're going to be hard-pressed to win. So the games you're supposed to win, win them. Work to making the playoffs. And that's all you got to think about as the season goes on. Well, as we've seen often in the past, I mean, because for every year a favorite wins it, there's a team or two that goes deep that you didn't expect or even gets to the cup. I mean, the Islanders last year went all the way to the uh, East final. I think the, the year Nashville went to the cup final, they got better in the second half of the year, but I think they were 15th or 16th overall. I know they ultimately didn't win it, but you're right. Just make the tournament and see what happens. And the, I mean, we put so much... Uh, attention on the opening day roster because we haven't seen a game for so long. Well, Holland already said, okay, Bouchard's on the roster, but we're going to move him off. He's just there for cap reasons right now. And then who knows what trade could be made along the way. It's it's tough. Anton Forsberg got claimed, though. I mean, there was the experienced third goaltender that they wanted as a safety net. Now they got to go looking for another one because the, the goaltending could turn out to be a question mark for the Oilers. Well, it certainly could, and a, injuries. Uh, B, uh, are these goaltenders what we saw in the regular season last year? Or are they what we saw in the playoffs? And C, what if, you know, one of them is out because of uh, COVID, because of COVID protocols. All of a sudden, you need a, a third stringer that you can trust to come in when you have three and four. You play four games in seven nights. And right now, the others don't have that. So there's going to be question marks with the two guys that they have, and they're certainly going to have a question mark if anything happens to either one of them. So I would look for a move to happen at some point to, to get a little more experience as that third goaltender that you can at least have a little faith to throw in at some point and get you two points or at least give you a chance to get two points. All right. Rob, do you remember how to get to the rink? <laughs> um, actually, no. I normally actually, I got to be honest with you, most games I drive there, I call my wife anyways, hey, hun, how do I get to the rink again? I'm not sure. So she usually writes it on my hand so I can get there. So, yes, I will leave real early tomorrow night in case I get lost, but I am looking forward to seeing NHL hockey again. I think this is going to be as fun a season as we've had in a long, long time simply because of where the Oilers are playing, the division they're in. This is going to be fun. I can't wait for it to start. We'll see you tomorrow, buddy. Thanks for checking in. Sounds good, Reed. Take care. That is Rob Brown, our Inside the Game analyst on 630 Chet and the Oilers Radio Network. Looking forward to working with him. He'll join me on the Faceoff Show. We'll have you on Overtime Open Line after every game. Yakushev says if the NHL has to keep shortening seasons, Ovechkin will never catch Gretzky's goal record. Well, true. He'll try, though. 780-496-0063, the number caller text. Trucker Dave says the Oilers will get second in the North Division. And then he says the Oilers are going to win the Stanley Cup. There it is. I wondered when somebody was going to write that in. We've had a few texts on the Oilers' record that, you know, maybe they'll get out of the, the North Division. Finally, Trucker Dave steps up and picks the locals to win it all. Good for you. Back after the break.
Well, judging by the way the goaltenders were aligned today, Miko Koskinen's the starter for tomorrow. He was in the net, usually defended by the Oilers in the first and third periods. We'll see tomorrow. I don't want to say that's for sure, but that's uh, that's how he and Smith, or Koskinen and Smith, lined up today. But anyway, we'll uh, have more from tomorrow's morning skate. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer face-off show at 6. Well, Kevin, I like this text. You're, you, Kevin's uh, This is a Kevin gentleman's texting a little more frequently later. He's actually quite amusing. He says, Reed, is it possible for you to fake a condition where you need to have a service animal with you at the game? So I'll even wear a leash and collar. There's a lot to analyze there, Kevin. I appreciate that effort. I'm sure you'd make a wonderful service animal. I think I'll have to decline faking a condition. I think that's bad karma to do that. But if I ever do need a service animal, Kevin... I will consider you. I do have a dog who would be a, an excellent service dog by the name of Rocket. Well, he, he'd actually be a very loud and disobedient service dog. I guess that's not a very good service animal. John is on the line at 780-496-0063. Go ahead, John. How's it going? Quite well. Uh, is there any news on, on Neil's condition? Like, are they? Uh, is it just because he's out of shape because of some bad luck and can they use LTIR for for him for a couple of weeks for extra relief uh it doesn't look like they're going to with Neil because I think you got to be out 10 games or a month if you put a guy in LTIR so, oh, okay. so he he's not gonna well you you probably listened yesterday when Tip said he's not going to be around for the start of the season but he yeah. uh yeah so I no I don't see any LTIR with him they yeah Tip didn't say his condition he did tip when Neil talked, he said when he came back from the States, he had to stay in quarantine. So I don't I don't know if he, if he had it or not. I did see him at Nate, which was over a week ago, like in street clothes, talking to the players and stuff. So I would have think if he he obviously didn't have COVID then if he was allowed to come to the rink and talk to players. So that's all I can tell you about Neil. Okay, yeah, I figured he I figured they might try and use some LTIR because I think I heard Tip say something about it. He just doesn't have his legs under him because he because of the bad luck of being off the ice for so long. Right. And he just a couple couple weeks behind guys, but if you could get the extra LTIR, that might help with a trade for a goalie, in which case the Oilers could maybe have a Cinderella run. Well, I understand. Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. I, I think right now, and the way I understand it, and I was messaging with Hart Levine, who runs Puckpedia. I don't know if you ever check out that site. You uh, yeah. Yeah. So he he ex- that's how um, he said it with with cleft bomb. So 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 Bouchard's on the roster, so they go over the cap as much as possible. And then they put Clefbaum on LTIR, and then you have that extra room to. So I think they can actually go. It's not all of Clefbaum's salary on the cap. I think it'll be three point eight million dollars. I want to say. So that's a, that's how that'll work. Okay, so that's not too bad. And uh, one more prediction, and it's uh, I'm going to say McDavid goes for two points per game on average, oh. uh, based on the fact that uh, he got snubbed out of any nominations in the in the. In the trophies, I know he doesn't come off as uh, a guy who has an ego, but there isn't a sports player out there that doesn't uh, bet on himself, right? So, oh no, he's he's highly competitive. I can assure you that. So is Leon. So if there's a little oh, yeah, head-to-head so, stuff I think there, that's going to feed them, feed them because McDavid's going to be out there to prove something because he didn't even get a nomination for the Masterson, and then 
I mean, those two, I mean, Dreisaitl always wants to be the guy, the best guy out there, too. I think it's going to be quite the, quite the season to watch those two. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I think Nuge is going to have a good year, and I hope Yamamoto has a good year. Sometimes with second-year players, it's tough, but if you talk about guys who play with a bit of chip, uh, chip on their shoulder, too, you, like, do you remember the Yamamoto comment to Shirelli back from the draft year? Uh, Which really said the comment, but it was something about him being too small. No, no, no. Shirelli said, uh, "Why should I draft you?" And Yamamoto said, "Because if you don't, I'm going to come back and haunt you." <laughs> <laughs> so, I think Yamo looks at that. That's how he looks at the teams that didn't draft him, which is good. Well, there's always the, the the perennial sophomore slump, but hopefully he fights through that. For sure. Thanks, John. Appreciate it, man. You, you bet. Have a good night. That's John, 780-496-0063. Calling for Connor McDavid to average two points a game. I believe that would be 112 over a 56-game season. That would be incredible. What did I predict uh, McDavid on Bob's show? I went a little lower. I went 80 points for McDavid, 73 for Leon, just because I think um, I'm not sure how Leon's five-on-five line is going to work with Cahoon and Yamamoto, though I, though I do like what I've seen from Cahoon. Certainly they'll get points on the power play. I also think that as the season wears on, the games are going to get quite low scoring. I, I think we're going to start seeing playoff intensity maybe uh, a little earlier in the season than we than we would have otherwise. Having said that, with no preseason games, there could be some wild ones early on where games are high scoring, goalies are out of sync, teams aren't checking very well. But I think by the end of the year, we'll probably be seeing lower scoring games than usual. I want to get to this update here on Philip Broberg, Oilers prospect who was with Sweden during the World Juniors, and Holland confirms he was indeed playing hurt. Yeah, he had some. Basically, uh, I think in the playoffs, uh, he, he had he had a um, he had a bit of a tear. He had a tear, and he wasn't going to play in the round robin games. He decided to play. He had, you know, he had an MRI, and I think he had a torn a tear in, in, a, in a muscle up above his knee. And then I, I, I think he got a separate, partially separated shoulder. So basically, he was playing in the playoffs. You know, in the, in the medal rounds. Or that way he played the one game. I think he was playing with a partially separated shoulder. I know he was playing with a partially separated shoulder and a and a tear in his in his in his, in his in some muscle just above just above his above his knee. So uh, you know I I I, uh, I liked it that he uh, he dug in. He was the captain. Uh, he wanted to play. Um, I know he had an MRI about December 26th and 27th, and he was he was not going to play. And then he went out the next morning and he talked to the Swedish doctor and and he. he called me and I called Dr. Naidu and we gave him the green light to go ahead. We knew he was playing hurt. Um, I like that. I like that trait. I like that uh, you can't be 100% all the time. You, you got to dig in. So I like that he uh, he was the captain. He wanted to play and he, he played hurt and gave everything he got. Yeah, Philip Broberg, and he has gone back to Sweden here. So right now, not with the Edmonton Oilers. All right, uh, get more on what Holland said to Bob today on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Get the Oilers Now podcast or just go to the show page on our station website. Bob is coming up next between 7.30 and 8. Cam Moon will be on the show after a couple of decades with the Red Deer Rebels. He'll join the Edmonton Oilers broadcast team. He's going to call his first game on the radio on Thursday. Jack still has tomorrow night's game. Back after the news, Inside Sports on Chet. 630 Chet, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chet.